We're going to continue our series on the life of Moses, and I know that last time we were kind of focused more on the Israelite people than we were on Moses, so we're going to try to change that a bit today and, and kind of refocus ourselves back on Moses himself and what it was that he was doing to address the situation that the Israelites were in. So we're going to go to the next chapter from what we read last week. So last week we read from Exodus 16. Today we're going to read Exodus 17. So let's begin reading at verse 1 of that chapter. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now, it is kind of humorous to me that last week we were talking about the Israelites grumbling against Moses and Aaron, and about how God was trying to teach them this lesson that it wasn't Moses and Aaron that they were following, but rather they were following him, that God was the one who was leading them. And yet, now, in this chapter, we have the same thing happening, where the Israelites are quarreling and grumbling against Moses. So they're doing the exact same thing in this chapter that they were doing before, of complaining against Moses and grumbling about Moses, again, missing out on the fact that they were being led by God. And so the first thing that Moses says in reply to them is that question, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? So he re-emphasizes to them here that they shouldn't be quarreling with him because they aren't testing him, they're testing God. And he re-emphasizes that same idea that God is leading them, not Moses. So even though that's what they just emphasized with the Israelites, even though that's just what God was trying to teach them, they clearly did not learn the lesson. And so Moses has to re-emphasize that with them, that no, 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 it's not me you're following. I'm not the one who brought you out here. God is. And the fact that we see them having the same problem in this chapter that they had in the last chapter shows us how some lessons really take some time for people to learn. 
that not everything that people hear they understand right away. Sometimes it takes some time for that new idea to kind of take root in their mind, and for them to really grasp what it is that they're hearing, and also apply it to their lives. To not just say, "Okay, I understand what you're saying." But to allow their lives to be transformed by what it is that they're being taught, because what can happen is when you live a certain type of lifestyle or you believe something for a certain amount of time, you kind of develop habits around that type of thinking and and that type of understanding, that you think of things in similar ways, and that's seen reflected in your life usually in the same kinds of ways. So that even when you learn something new, it takes time to break those habits of old thinking and old lifestyles. Right? We've all had different habits, usually bad habits, that we try to break in our life. That we say, "Okay, I'm kind of in a rut, and I'm doing this same thing in the same kind of way, and it's not healthy for me." But just because you have that understanding that this isn't healthy for me. Doesn't mean that there's going to be an immediate change in your lifestyle. It takes time to break a habit. It takes time to learn a new way of living, and it was taking the Israelites time to understand this new concept that they were following God and not a person. And that's why Moses has to re-emphasize that with them, and really he ends up doing that a lot of. Telling them you need to be following God and not anyone or anything else or any other gods. You need to focus on God and God alone. It takes a long time for the Israelites to learn that, and yet Moses shows patience with them about it. That he's able to just say, "Let's go over this again. Why are you quarreling with me? This isn't about me. You're putting the Lord to the test because He's the one guiding you." Don't forget that. I know we've already explained that, but clearly you haven't fully understood it yet. So I'll keep saying it again and again and again until it finally sinks in. Moses shows patience with them, and we need to have that same kind of patience with others, of understanding that it takes people time to learn things. It takes people time. To learn the mysteries of the Bible, and to be patient with them, and also patient with ourselves, to not just expect ourselves to get everything right away, or to be able to make these incredible shifts in our lifestyle at the drop of a hat, but to understand that it usually takes time, and just like God is patient with us, and Moses was patient with the Israelites. We too need to be patient with other people, and we also need to be patient with ourselves. It doesn't mean that we stop learning. It's just understanding that sometimes the lesson doesn't sink in right away. So then let's look at what Moses does next, because the people continue to grumble against Moses, and they keep saying, "You know, we need water." Which is understandable because they are in a desert, but that's not something that Moses can fix for them. So look what he does in response to it.、It、says that Moses then cries out to the Lord, 
What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. So Moses takes this struggle that's being put at his feet, and he takes it before God. And I want to point out that not only is Moses bringing the situation before God, he is also bringing his own feelings, his own concerns before God. He's really opening up his heart to God here. He's saying, you know, what am I to do with these people? Which is addressing the situation. But he also says they're almost ready to stone me. So he's saying, look, uh, my skin is on the line here. I'm worried about what's going to happen to me. And I think it's important for Moses to do both of those things. That he's not only just bringing the situation to God as the leader of the Israelites, he is also bringing his own heart before God and saying, God, this is what I'm worried about. And the reason why I say this is important is because if you just focus on one of those things, you aren't being a good follower of Christ. Because if Moses was only saying, you know, they're just ready to stone me, and was only bringing concerns about his own well-being before God, then he would only be thinking about himself and not about other people, specifically the people that he was called to lead. But also, what if he only did the other thing? What if he only said, what am I to do with these people? And just brought the situation before God and saying, God, just give me the solution to the problem, but left out his own concerns in that conversation with God. If Moses had done that instead, then he would have been neglecting his own relationship with God, even in the midst of doing God's work for his people. You see, God doesn't just desire that we go out and do good works. God desires, first and foremost, to have a relationship with us, that we are able to come before him and bring our concerns to him, to bear our heart before him, so that he can be pouring into our lives as we go out and pour into the lives of others. Because if we only pour into the lives of others and never allow God to fill us back up, that's going to lead to burnout. That's what's going to get us to a point where we have nothing left to give because we've been completely emptied in the work that we've been doing, and then we become no good to anyone. We have nothing left to give. We have nothing left to offer because we are completely burnt out. And so Moses, he didn't just come to God and bring the situation of the Israelites before God and say, God, what do you want me to do with this? He also brings his heart and says, God, I'm really worried about this. I'm scared about what's going to happen to me. And I know that it's not all about me. And I want to do what you desire me to do. But God, I gotta be honest with you, I'm worried. I'm not confident in this situation. And we see that from every other part of Moses' life. That from the very beginning, he didn't have confidence. And we see he's still struggling with that. He's still wrestling with that confidence. And he's still allowing God to help him through that. And that is key for Moses to continue to lead the Israelites. There is something he's still working on. There is stuff that he's struggling with. And he's going to lead them before he gets his life perfect. But he's also not going to neglect his own spiritual needs before God. So that he can just focus on doing ministry. And that even comes up 
uh, in a few later chapters about him trying to do everything himself, so we'll get to that. But Moses realized that doing ministry, doing good works, living a righteous life, none of that is a replacement for a relationship with God. And he needed to make sure that just as he was taking care of the Israelites, that he was also taking care of his own spiritual health and letting God help him through his own insecurities in the midst of all of this. And what a powerful lesson that is for us who are involved in any kind of ministry or outreach or volunteer work to remember that doing those things doesn't mean we have a great relationship with God. Yes, it's usually out of a relationship with God that we are then motivated to do those things and, and God calls us into those things. But those things that we do is never, they're never a replacement for our relationship with God. And we need to make sure that we are allowing God time to strengthen us and support us so that we can continue in the work that he has called us to do. Both of those things are important to keep an eye on and making sure that we balance going out and pouring out and also coming to God and letting him fill us back up. Both of those things are important, and we see that uh, in Moses' conversation with God here. So God then gives Moses the instructions of how to handle the situation, to go out before this rock and strike the rock, and then water will pour out from it and give people that water to drink. And Moses does that, does just as God tells him to. He strikes the rock, and God is faithful, and the water comes out of the rock, and the people are able to drink the water. But there's one more thing that Moses does here that I want to mention before I wrap up my thoughts on this passage. And that is what Moses names the place. See, after this takes place, it says that Moses called that place Masa and Meribah. Now, Masa means testing, and Meribah means quarreling. And he names it that because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? So Moses decides to name this place so that people in later generations will be able to remember what happened here, but he doesn't name it in accordance to the miraculous wonder that God performs here, or even how God provides for his people from this rock. Instead, he chooses to name the place after the sin of the Israelites. And I believe there is a very important reason why Moses does this. Because the water that poured from that rock, it's very likely that that water continued to pour out of that rock for generations to come. And what Moses wanted to ensure is that when people came to that spot and that they remembered what happened here, that the way they remembered it would not just be that God provided for the Israelites, provided them with the water when they needed it, but rather that God provided that water despite the way that the Israelites acted. You see, God didn't provide the water because of the way the Israelites acted. 
He provided it despite the way they acted. And that's important when you're passing that story on to future generations. That you're not just saying, oh yeah, we just griped and moaned and complained and grumbled and then we got everything that we wanted. So go and do likewise, right? That's not a good lesson to learn. And Moses wanted to make sure that they wouldn't just sweep under the rug the actions that they had during this time. That it was not right for them to quarrel against Moses. It was not right for them to demand that God give them more than the bread and the freedom that God had already been given them. It wasn't right for them to act this way. What they did was wrong, and they needed to remember that it was wrong so that they wouldn't keep doing it again and again and again, as that pattern was already starting to be set up, that they were taking a long time to learn this lesson. They needed to learn from their mistakes. Not just sweep it under the rug, not just forget about it, and kind of have this attitude of, well, God will always give us what we want. No. What you did that day, that was not right. And yes, God provided for you despite the way you acted that day because you were still his chosen people and he loved you and he chose to have mercy on you and grace you with what you didn't deserve. But let's not sweep this under the rug. Let's not just kind of shrug off the fact that what you were doing was not right. And that kind of behavior does need to stop. And I believe that that's why Moses named this place after their sin, so they couldn't forget it. That it was a part of the story, so that they could think back on what was done wrong, so they could break that habit, and therefore have a greater relationship with God going forward. Because when we take time to reflect on the things that we do, and even the mistakes of other people. When we take that time to reflect on those things, reflect the kind of life that we've had, the decisions that we've made, the results of those decisions, or the consequences of those decisions, and not just our lives, but the lives of other people, right? That's why there's that phrase, if we don't study history, we're doomed to repeat it, because we need to take time to reflect on the lives and actions of those who have come before us to make sure that we don't repeat their mistakes and in our own lives reflect on the consequences of our own actions to make sure we don't repeat our mistakes either but so that we can grow from them, that we can learn from them and become wiser because of it. You see, as we reflect on those things, we reflect on our life, we grow in wisdom through our understanding of not only what has happened, but what was the result of it, and why did it happen, and what could have been done differently. Remember, it's not the understanding itself that is the wisdom. The wisdom is taking that understanding and changing your life in accordance to it. Because you're saying, I don't want my future to look like my past. My past was not healthy. The things that I did was not good, not beneficial to me. 
And as I look back on those times in my life, I recognize how harmful and even detrimental some of those things were that I did. Maybe not even to me, maybe to the people around me, and I just didn't realize it at the time. But as I think back on it, and I look at what I did through the eyes and perspectives of those who were around me, I realize the error of my ways. And so I need to change because I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to do those things anymore. But it is through remembering those things and taking the time to reflect on them that we then desire change. Right? For a very basic example, think of some embarrassing moment in your life. Something that you did or said, and you look back on it today and you think, why, oh why, was I so stupid? If I could just go back and change the way that I acted then, I would do it in a heartbeat. Because I cringe just, just thinking about it. But you know what those embarrassing memories do for you? They make you want to change. They make you want to recognize what was wrong with what you did or said in that situation. So that the next time you're in a similar situation, you don't do it that same way. That you say something differently. We experience that all the time in our day-to-day lives. As simple as, you know, the waiter brings a food and says, enjoy your meal. And you say, you too. And then you're like, why did I say that? And so you think to yourself, okay, the next time my waiter brings me my food, I'm going to make sure that I don't say you too when he says, enjoy your meal. Because that was embarrassing. It was awkward. And I don't want to do that anymore. Now, if we do that with such simple, selfish things... How much more should we do it with eternal things and things that really matter in our lives? Now, just like with those embarrassing moments, the more embarrassing it is, the more we try not to think about it. And that's about little things. What about the big mistakes in our lives? The things that really hurt somebody. The things that really messed up our own lives. And we say, I, I, I just don't want to think about it because of how much it hurts. But of course, it's always there. You can't run away from it. But you can learn from it. You can reflect on what could have been done differently to save you from the mistakes that you made at that time. Now, thankfully, we don't have to think about those moments and reflect on those times with guilt, because God forgives all sin. He forgives all mistakes. And if we repent for those sins, we repent of those mistakes, we say, God, what I did was wrong, forgive me, then God takes the blame away from us. He takes away that guilt. So then we can look at those events from our past, or maybe from other people's pasts as well, and learn from it to make a change in our life so that 
we never end up doing and saying things like that again. The Israelites needed that. The Israelites needed to be reminded, look, when you come back to this spot, and you look at the water coming out of this rock, remember that you did something on this day that was not right. Now God still loved you anyway. He still took care of you. But going forward, you need to recognize what you did wrong here. And you need to accept God's forgiveness for it, right? Repent of it. Ask for forgiveness. And then move on into a new life where you aren't repeating that same mistake. And after all, that was the issue at the start of this chapter. That the Israelites didn't learn the lesson that God was trying to teach them last time. And so they ended up making the, the same mistake in this chapter. Let's not be like that. Let's strive to learn what we can from our past. And reflect on the things that we've done wrong. Not with the guilt, right? Not just to beat ourselves over the head. But to allow us to grow out of them into someone who is better today and tomorrow than yesterday. So with all of that in mind, I want to leave you with this question today. What lessons does God want you to reflect on? What is something that God has been trying to teach you? And maybe you need to take some time to look at the decisions you've been making in your life. And see what is there in that and, and the results and consequences of those actions and decisions that God is trying to teach you through that time. It's not something that happens naturally or easily. It happens intentionally. So I encourage you to be intentional today with God and say, God, let me look at my life. Help me to reflect on the things that I have done and said and the results of those things, both negative and positive. And teach me what it is that you want me to learn from those times and allow those lessons to really sink in. Help me to really understand them and to change my life because of it so that I can have a better relationship with you and not just to go and do good things. But through learning these new lessons, that I can be someone that you can be more proud of and that I will have a greater understanding of who you are and the life you want for me because, God, this is all about me drawing closer to you. And the relationship that I want to have with you beyond just the things that I do. So I encourage you to take some time with God today and have that discussion with him. But until next time, that is today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can also email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I check that every week. 
So if you email me there, you can be sure I'll see it. But until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen. And I pray that God will bless you and teach you new lessons in your life today. Thank you.